With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Man, are you going to love our guest. His name is John Higgins. You're like, really? You got John Higgins? Yep. John Higgins was, up until this year, one of the most known, most respected, and frankly, um, most employed officials in college basketball. You knew him because he had his his, uh, golden, sandy, blonde, brown hair. Uh, he wore different pants than what seemed like the rest of of college basketball's officials. He had a flash and a flamboyance, and he was completely unafraid to stare down a coach or to make a hard call on the road. John Higgins is my guest. This is going to be fun. By the way, we do ask about the pants. We do ask about the hair. And there's incredible stories in this two-part, uh, two-part discussion. Um, but I, I want to throw this out because we're coming on the back of Draymond Green and turning around and punching Nurkic in a game which he was ejected and now I'm likely to be suspended. Maybe by the time this is this drops, he, he's been suspended. It's interesting. Like you do need a guy on your team that everybody on the other team wants to fight. I always use the Jorge Gutierrez argument, right? Or him him as the as the example. Jorge Gutierrez, my brother Greg, um, who's an assistant with the women's at San Diego State, but he was with the men for eight years. He left and went to Cal Berkeley. He went into Finley Prep, and my, my, I, I could let my brother tell this story, but I'll tell it instead. So Todd Simon, who's now the head coach at Bowling Green, was the head coach at Finley Prep. And he rolls in freshly into the Pac-10 at Cal. And back then, it was hard to recruit at a Pac-10 level when you're in at San Diego State, even though San Diego State was growing in popularity. It won the league and was starting to sell out the arena. So he's watching all these stars that Finley Prep had at the time. And he turns to Todd and says, who should, we, who should we go after? He said, the kid with the ponytail. And the kid with the ponytail's name is Jorge Gutierrez. He had come from, uh, come from Mexico the year before, gone to a prep school in Denver, lived with six other kids in a one-bedroom apartment, and then transferred to Finley Prep. He shot with two hands. His body wasn't sculpted. He wasn't an above-the-rim player. But Todd Simon said, hey, man, when we have a competition, when we play, his team always wins. He's a tough, bad MFer. And oh, yeah, by the way, somebody on the other team wants to fight him every game. So my brother offered him a scholarship. By his senior year, he was Pac 10 player of the year. And you know what? In four years at Cal, there wasn't a game he played that somebody on the other team didn't want to fight him. And he played in the NBA, and I believe he's playing now in Mexico. You have to have those guys. 
but Draymond takes it to another level. And that other level is only the, the true, like, this guy's a psycho. And I don't think they're all psychos, you know, but Jason Sutherland was a guy who was kind of a psycho, played for Missouri. And you guys remember him? Sure. There's lots of junkyard dogs out there and guys that borderline on dirty. I remember Chris Kingsbury, his son now, I think, plays at Iowa. And I don't think he was, he, he got caught uh, punching a dude when he wasn't looking coming off of the screen. Kingsbury's number was 14. He told me, and I think everybody knows, it was because he loved seven and seven. By the way, seven and seven, refreshing drink, haven't had in a while. Anyway, here's what I'd like you to do. You want to participate in all ball? Why don't you tweet at me at Gottlieb Show or hit me on Instagram when we post this on your favorite college basketball or NBA bad guy. And my bad guy, he hasn't been able to play. Right? Anybody can have a guy who sits on the end of the bench and doesn't play. But when you have a guy that plays, that strikes a little bit of fear into the heart of your own team and a lot of fear in the heart of the other team, it ends up working for you. Draymond's problem is, as he starts to age now, the theatrics become more grandiose because he thinks it covers the fact he doesn't play nearly as well anymore. One last fighting, one last fighting story. My first year playing overseas, I played in Russia. And we had a couple of Russian guys at the end of our bench that didn't play that much. And one of them was about 6'5 and pretty strong. He lifted, li, li, we lifted every day, but he was always in the weight room. And we played against Seska Moscow. And our best player was named Sergei Chikolkin. And Chika was, uh, he looked like powder. He's a movie powder, shaved head, uh, pale skin. Kind of had a weird shot, but man, could he shoot and score. He was the best Russian player that year in the Russian League. We won the Russian League. And we're playing Seska in our home gym in Perm, Russia. And um, towards the end of the game, Chica came open and a guy and shot faked, drove in the lane. And it wasn't Roy Rogers on their team. Rusty LaRue was on the other team. And Andre Kirilenko was on their team. But it was another, I think, Russian named Kornikov who had played in Portland that just leveled him to the buzzer sounds. And we go to center court and do the, you know, clapping and put our hands up and thank the crowd. And our president of our team comes down from You've seen Rocky, was it Rocky 4, where they're, they're in Russia? And, you know, back then, the Soviet Union guys just sit up at the top in these big chairs. Well, those places still exist in the arenas, only instead of leaders of the Soviet Union or the party, it's your owner of the team. So he comes down from on high and says something to one of the guys at the end of our bench, the 6'5", kind of a ripped-up dude, big, muscular guy. Our, our team goes one way into our locker room, their team goes another way, and he's kind of mulling around the court, and eventually I see him go into the other team's locker room. Well, Rusty of the Rue is a friend of mine. I see him after the game. He's like, craziest thing ever. We're in a shower. That guy comes in fully clothed and and knocks out my teammate. Punches him a couple of times, knocks him out. Gets wet in the shower, walks right out, walks to your locker room. I was like, you want to hear something crazier? When he got in our locker room, the president of the team gave him a $5,000 bonus in cash. So tough guys do have a role, but there's a time in which you step out of your role and it's a little too much. Trayvon Green's well past that a little too much. You would have thought Jordan Poole would level him off and understanding you ruined last year's team, but I think he's just showing the frustrations of the fact that this year's team is worse, not better. Let's get to part one. Here's John Higgins, who I love to say I call him a friend. And the more you listen to him, I think the more you like him. Your basketball journey. If I, I, if I said, hey, close your eyes, and your first memory as a kid, of playing basketball, it's 
where? Uh, playing basketball was it? It was at uh, it, it where my dad taught and coached high school basketball in Omaha, Nebraska. It was at a little gym called Cathedral High School. Uh, that's where I remember starting to play basketball as a little kindergartner because my older all my older brothers and sisters were played, and my my dad was the coach there. That's where I that's where I remember starting my basketball career. What was your dad like as a coach? He hated referees. I mean, with a passion. My my dad was brutal on referees. I mean, brutal. I mean, it was it was he was a big man. He was six five and about two seventy five. Uh, big man for back in those days, and um, uh, he was he was. They were all the referees were scared to death. Of my dad, I know that. That's amazing. So so is your career a. a- uh, making making good with referees, or is it a fuck you to your dad? Like what? What? Like, <laughs> no, no, it was making good. It was good. You know, funny thing is that the, you know when when he got out of coach high school and retired, all that stuff, he was the observer at Creighton games. So he would help. Back when they were in the Missouri Valley, he would help the uh, uh, the Missouri Valley Conference, Eddie Jackson and Boomer Bain, with the uh, observing of officials, and he would grade them and that kind of stuff, and. Uh, so he got to learn at least my side a little bit. Um, I, however, when I first started back when you played and, um, I, I, he used to go to games with me and he would just torture me on the way home. I said, I was said, tell my dad, dad, you, if you're going to come with me, you, you got to be on my team now, not on the coach's team. <laughs> I mean, it was brutal. He was really tough on referees. It really was. So, okay. So you grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. What was what, what was your high school career like? Oh, I was a uh, I was a all state basketball player, but I wasn't good enough to be in a Division One. I. I played at uh, University of Nebraska at Kearney, uh, and I was just an average player, wet best. Uh, and you know, I you know, we always had really good teams. I went to the national tournament and did really well. And that was in NAI back then. Now it's Division Two. Uh, back when NAI, I thought was pretty good. Yeah, um, it was really good. But that's been that's been you know that's back in Jack Sickman, those kind of guys that Terry Porter played at Wisconsin. I, I, by the way, I guarded him and I held him to forty, and his average was like forty six <laughs> in the national tournament. I might, I think I might have had six points, but he had forty, so I felt good about it. Uh, oh. uh, it, it, I was just an average player at best, and. Uh, and, you know, kind of how I got into officiating is because the guys back then, they had freshman teams. And the uh, referees didn't show up for a junior college uh, game versus our freshman team. And, and our coach said, hey, 25 bucks. And, uh, and, I, and I, $25 back then, would, there was a lot of beer money when you're in college. And I raised my hand. That's how I first started getting uh, into refereeing. Well, first, what is where Nebraska Kearney? Where where is that in in the state? It's about the middle of the state. It's from Omaha. It's about two and a half hours uh, by car uh, west of Omaha, between here and Denver, basically. And um, how many people live in the town? Twenty five thousand. And how many people go to the school? Oh, there's probably seven or eight thousand right now. Good time? Was it a good time? Oh, we had a great time. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Who was your coach? Jerry Heizer. He was a long time. Well, he was a great coach. He was an outstanding coach. He's very 
he was very straight, narrowed, um, like uh, no nonsense kind of a guy. Uh, it, but he was a great coach. I mean, we went to, I think we went to the NAI National Tournament 10, 12 years in a row. So, so you, what year is this when you all of a sudden happen upon, you know, substitute refereeing for, for him for 25 bucks? So that was like 83, 84. Yeah. Okay. So you get done playing in what year? 84. So you're done playing. What's your plan? I, my plan, well, I was I come back to Omaha and I, uh, actually I was going to teach and I didn't, I, that wasn't, that wasn't a very good option. I didn't, did some uh, things that my where my dad was at school, student teaching, that kind of stuff, and and uh, it was like, yeah, this isn't uh, this isn't for me. So I went into and in the summers uh, to to backtrack into high school and even my college summers, I was in a uh, I, me and my best friend uh, did siding roofing for uh, his uncle, and. Um, and I, and I thought, shoot, I could do that. So I went to work for a company called Paysetter Windows and Doors. So I sold windows and doors for six months. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. The guy come chasing me down the street out, out the front door. I said, I could do this myself. So uh, we we started ourselves. And then six months later, he graduated from Nebraska Omaha. And he moved to Chicago. And I bought us tools for $1,000 and or his half of the tools. And the rest is history. Now we've uh, we've we've grown our business to... Uh, decent size. So, so tell me about your business. So you do windows, windows and doors. What's it called? No, we, no, we, we, we do, we're a roofing siding gutter company. So we do all kinds of commercial residential, uh, roofing siding guttering. Uh, we've, uh, we, we try, we don't just do it in Nebraska. We do it in all other parts of the country too. Uh, on high end houses and in, uh, some commercial properties. So how long have you, how long have you had the business? 85, 86, we started it. Yeah. We incorporated in 87. So, and then we all, we have a property business also where we own and manage our own uh, rental properties. When you say we, it's you and who? My family, my wife and, and kids now. My oldest son is 32 and he's, he's, uh, he's going to be taking over the business here when, whenever I want to get out, I guess. I don't know. They th- I think I'm out now because they don't they don't care if I'm in the <laughs> office or not. <laughs> uh, okay, so you're starting this business. When did you start the path becoming one of the most renowned referees in college basketball? When did that path start? Well, that happened. Well, a buddy of mine, they Paul Caster, got me into. He refereed you. I know that he was a Big A guy, Missouri Valley guy. Uh, he got me into it and, and a buddy of mine named Terry Anzaldo. Uh, we used to, I used to work CYU basketball, uh, you know, third, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. And then I got within a year, I got into the high school level, the, uh, uh, you know, with my dad's, uh, people that he knew. And, and then my buddy, Paul Castor got me involved in the high school guy. And next year, next thing you know, I'm working freshman JV in high school and, Following year, I was I worked my first Metro game. I thought it was the biggest thing in the world. It was a you know the large class in Omaha for uh, basketball and and um, and I and from there was from the rest of that. Had your dad retired at this time? 
Uh, yeah, he had, he is not coaching basketball at this time. No, he was a athletic director at a, another Catholic high school here in town. Like we all went to our Catholic high school. I, I had, uh, uh, eight brothers and sisters, uh, and we all went to the same high school. So we, uh, uh, but at that time, my dad went to uh, Ron Colley Catholic where he was the athletic director. So he wasn't, although I did work games at Ron Colley Catholic and I did work a game where he was actually, I think he was a coach at Ron Colley and my sister was a coach at uh, Cathedral. And it was, it, and I think, I don't know, I'm not sure if we teed him or teed his assistant or teed a player. He was so pissed off at me. <laughs> oh my God. It was brutal. My sister Cecilia was a coach for the at, at Cathedral for a year or two, or, or Ron Colley, or one of the one, vice versa. I'm not sure which it was, but it was that was not fun. That's a, that's amazing. Okay, so wait, April. actually, I started. Remember, do you remember Bruce Benedict? I worked. I worked. Uh, Bruce Benedict first of basketball game ever officiated was with me at a junior high game. At, uh, at or not junior high game, a, ju- uh, a JV uh, game at, at Cathedral High School where I went to school. It's closed now. Uh, but Bruce Benedict uh, started his little basketball career after baseball. Actually, it was just when he was finishing up in baseball, in professional baseball. That's crazy. Um, wait, so eight brothers and sisters. What's the what's the age gap? Like how many? Uh, I'm the... This- I'm second to the youngest, so I, I my oldest brother is seventy one, uh, seventy one or seventy seventy one. Like it happened in ten years. My mom and dad had a lot of kids quickly. So, so how many of your brothers and sisters did you play basketball with in high school? None of them. My my sisters were two. My oldest brother was a senior when I was a freshman. Uh, and he was actually, he was an All-American, got drafted by Golden State Warriors back in the, and he, he went to Kearney also. And back in the day, Joe Barry Carroll, back when they had 10 rounds, he was a, he was the last pick in the 10th round. <laughs> and he was close to, evidently close to making the team. He, he played in Iceland, places like that. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. So you, so you start, you're in high school games. You have your siding company at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Did you, how do you advance? Is it going to camps? Um, so first, first, first thing it, Paul Castor told me, so you got to go to this referee camp, uh, is the Missouri Valley referee camp in St. Louis. And I, and this is when they were just starting three man. I had no clue how to work three man, zero clue. I went to this camp and they were just telling me where to go. And, and Davey Phillips was the boss, uh, back in the Missouri Valley conference days. Uh, and Davey Phillips was a major league baseball umpire. Uh, I don't know if you remember that name or not. Um, he, uh, he was out of St. Louis. And he, uh, they, so he put me to this camp and I did the camp and I got, I went home. And back then we had the, you know, the recordings on the, on the, uh, you don't have cell phones and all that stuff. Uh, but there was a, di- a tape, digital tape thing. So there's a, my, my girlfriend at the time wasn't my wife yet. Um, she said, some guy named Davey Fields called. I said, ah, oh, bullshit. He filled you didn't call. There's no way he called because I, I felt like I, you know, I refereed, I, I mean, did the plays, but I had no idea positioning, mechanics, that kind of stuff. He goes, no, he called. I'm like, oh, okay. So I called, I actually called him back and, um, and he, he hired me. And that was in uh, 87, 88, uh, that year. And then I, I worked two or three years for Davey. And then Davey Phillips quit and took the old, was it the Great Midwest or yeah. the Great yeah. Midwest back then when Louisville and yeah. Cincinnati, when that league was tough, I mean, really hard. So he took that, he took that job and Boomer Bain came off the floor. You remember Jim Boomer Bain refereed you, I'm sure. sure. Um, um, I mean, he was on every big national game there was. Uh, he, um, he took the job and then I, and I, then, uh, and every year up to then I only worked two, three games. And then the one, the one year, his first year, a guy couldn't make a uh, game at Northern Iowa. And uh, so he had me up there. He, he called, he was frantically trying to call around. And I got to the, I'm like, yeah, I'll get there at a high school game. I'll get there. So I drive up there. It's about four hours. And I end up whacking up coach. And, and he thought I did unbelievable. And Boomer Bain was a stickler on bench decorum, player decorum. Next thing I know, I work, I, he gives me three, maybe four more games, and I worked the Valley Tournament that year. First, first time he's ever had. He didn't know my name. He just called me big guy. Hey, big guy. Uh, and then he, I worked the Valley Tournament. The next year I got hired in the Big Eight. And wow. From a guy by the name of John Erickson, yeah. And then I, I went from there. So you're ref in the Big Eight. This is late 80s. Early nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you make a game, by the way? Oh, my first check from the Missouri Valley was three hundred twenty-five dollars. I thought I died, went to heaven. I thought, shoot, that's twenty-five, thirty bat high school games, and I worked one college game for that. I was my first game was at Drake in the old Vets Auditorium. So you're in the Big Eight. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So this is Billy Tubbs. Is at Oklahoma. Oh my God. Norm uh, Stewart. Norm Stewart is at Missouri. Uh, Coach Sutton. First, you had Coach Ham, Leonard Hamilton. Coach Sutton. Yeah, then you had Coach. Yeah, Sutton. Leonard Hamilton first, and Coach Sutton. Yeah, yeah. 
the guy, the cra- crazy Joe from uh, Colorado. Yeah, Joe Johnny Har- Orr from Iowa State. Joe Harrington, Johnny Orr, uh, Roy Williams, or no? Mo Iba, I think, was at Nebraska. Wow. Uh, it was Larry Brown, then Larry Brown, Larry Brown last year, then Roy uh, Williams. Um, okay, so what do you remember? What's what's the first big Big Eight game you remember doing? Iowa State Missouri was the first big one I that I ever worked, and it was with I don't know if you remember a guy by the name of Ron Zetcher. Remember Ron Zetcher from St. Louis had real big ears, and he yes, used to go like this with his hair. And he had real deep inset eyes. Uh, Iowa State, Missouri, and and I was a young guy. And I can't. Th- I think our other guy was Billy Westbrook out of St. Louis. And I, I'm getting my ass eaten out by both coaches. Finally, uh, Zetcher went over to uh, Norm Stewart. Said, "Knock that shit off, Norm. Otherwise, this shit's going to go in the tank. Leave that young kid alone." And I'll give him credit. Yeah, I'll give him credit. He he didn't. He knocked it off, and it was a. And now you remember those days. Iowa State, Missouri was a hard, hard game. Yeah. With the antlers in the one end. Yes. It, it, I mean, they. I'm sure they tortured you when they were when you played, and came in there. It was brutal. I mean, that was they were nasty, brutal people. Hot dogs and shit coming on the floor. I mean, it was brutal, and they're right on top of you. So what what did the antlers have on you? Oh, they called me Pretty Boy and West Coast Boy and Hollywood and all that, you know, all the, <laughs> all the shit that I, I get through uh, throughout the most mean, listen, of my you, career. You do have really good hair. And I'm sure back then the hair was, there was even more of it. it was even, oh, yeah, there was more of it. Yeah. It was not so high. It wasn't so high up, high forehead, kind of like you and I got. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I caught a lot of shit about that. That's for sure. That older crew, the the Johnny Ors, the Billy Tubbs, the Norm Stewart, who was actually a sweetheart when when the game's oh, not, game's not going on. Absolutely, all all of them were, and they, you know what, they most of them now are the they were the greatest guys in the world when the games aren't going on. I mean, they're like night and day. I was, it, it was funny. I was, um, I did, I put uh, referees together for SoCal Challenge. And uh, Steve Barnes, which is a longtime assistant with Larry Stacy and those guys, when he was a head coach, I mean, th- this guy, he he was always angry, always had the worst angry face in the world. And, and he was an asshole on the sidelines. He said, what? He, now he's just the nicest man in the world to me. Uh, it's it just, it, it's amazing how different, well, they, uh, you know, coaches are different. I mean, they think with their heart instead of their brains when it comes to, you know, when live ball action happens, but. Outside the court, they're just like we are. They're just, there's, you know, they're, they're any different than than we are. But yeah, they're. But outside the court, like uh, Norm Stewart is a really good guy. Eddie Sutton was a wonderful man. Uh, I mean, all those guys were. They're good guys off the court. Just they're just fighting for their team. They're fighting for the big paycheck they're getting. You mentioned bench decorum, and and you know how you manage that. Eighties, early nineties. You guys let a lot more stuff go than you let go now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that was the same thing. I think, Doug, I think that was partly because, remember the NBA back then? I mean, it was very similar to, I mean, they let, I mean, they let that, there were there were wars back then. Now you touch a guy uh, in, some, in some parts of it, 
and it's a foul. And that's kind of, they want the freedom of movement and that kind of stuff. But back then co- the coaches said a lot more than they, they, they say now, I think. Um, and that's partly because, I mean, there were mandated by the NCAA or, or, and by our leagues that, you know, the bench decorum is, is part of sports. You know, they want the sportsmanship part of it uh, being good. Well, so did your girlfriend, now wife, did she come to any of these games? She would go to the high school games. Yeah, she would go to the high school games. Why? Why would you subject yourself to that? Oh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> she it, it's funny. She she didn't know anything about basketball. She didn't. She's not much of a sports person, but she is now. Right, now, while you're doing all this, remember this is Kansas come up national championship, right? Remember in the year they went won the national championship, Oklahoma lost in the final four. Like this is peak Big Eight. Eddie Sutton probably coached. I mean, off de- offensively not very well, but defensively he is. I mean, you guys had scored fifty points in a game, uh, and it was slow down style basketball, but it was done the right way. Um, but I was I love I love Johnny Orr. I love. I mean, I like their style too. They got up and down, and uh, it was just a different. It was totally different basketball. Uh, it seemed to be back then than it is now. First time you officiated in the fog? Uh, it was in, I don't know what year it was. I think it was probably 93, and 93, 94, 94, somewhere in that ballpark. And it was, it's one of those feelings that you just walk in, you're like, oh, God, you're in this big sh- this shrine of, of basketball and, and, and that's, it doesn't matter. And they were playing like, um, uh, NAI school there. It was a first, like the, the exhibition type game and they're going to beat them by a hundred, but it did, it still felt the same. Uh, it's like back when, when you guys had a role in Oklahoma state, I mean, that place was full every single night and it, it, it felt the same. Uh, it was big. It was big to me. I know that. Uh, and it's still a special place to play. I mean, I don't know if you've been to, uh, uh, Grand Canyon or not, but that place is rocking and rolling. So my my brother was an assistant there with the women for the last up until this year for the last three years, and yeah. so even for the women, they'll put four thousand people or so into that place. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy, and I mean, it, did you watch it last night? Yes, it was insane. Absolutely it was insane. insane. I watched it. I was there in person when they played. Um, was there? Oh, UT Arlington. And that place is crazy. It was just absolutely crazy. And they got it, they got it rolling. And, you know, they're, they're, they may be different than other, uh, other teams at that level. So I think they have NIL money. They have a million dollars in NIL money. <laughs> Do they really? Yeah. Holy smokes. Wow. Wow, crazy. It's, that's a great environment. Cameron Indoor is a great environment, obviously. Um, Back in the back in the day, uh, Oklahoma State, when it was the, the the roof was lowered, that was a great environment. Yeah, it was incredible. Okay, so what's it like? You're still pretty young doing it, right? And um, like, look, you're evaluated by the guy who hires you, but these coaches at the now and especially at the time, they're gigantic personalities. 
you know, Roy Williams, oh, yeah. Eddie Sutton, Norm Stewart, etc. What What is that like as a younger guy where you know that they're going to call about you if they think you didn't do them right? What, what's that experience like? Because that's the, the prevailing wisdom of the college basketball coaches, especially the younger ones, is, hey, they're all scared of the older guys because the older guys know their bosses. And, you know, they feel like they got a bad, bad shake of the officiating. Well, then they're they're going to, uh, I'm not going to be working, you know, the bigger games and I won't advance. What What's the real experience like starting for when you're a young guy before you became an old, one of the older guys? Uh, I, I would probably say that it, it, when I, you know, when I first started, start, when you get to big games and uh, with experienced referees like Hightower and Wilmer and O'Neill and, and guys like that, it was, it was extremely, uh, you know, you're scared to death going to work the, the, the um, Roy Williams and, and uh, Johnny Orr and Norm Stewart's and Eddie Sutton. You're scared. You're originally scared to death. Hold on one second. Could you please? Our dog is, uh, he's okay now. Um, Anyway, uh, you're scared to death, but, you, you know, you had to earn your stripes uh, with the other, with the older referees. And if you, if you showed some courage um, with them, most of those guys like that and, and would, would, would back you with your supervisor. So, and, and I get that now being the boss of the guys out West, I get the, uh, you know, that, you know, a, a top referee would say, "Hey, that guy's got courage. He's got he's got balls. He can, he'll take care of business." You know, one thing I always said: "Yeah, the coach may not like me, but he'll respect me, and he'll know I'll take I'll take um, I'll take John Higgins on the road any day of the week because he's not going to be intimidated by the crowd or the coach." And that's hard. That it, once you learn that as a young official, uh, it, that gives you more and more confidence to, that you know. You belong and you can do the job um, uh, and w no matter what environment you're in and what coach it is. So how do you do that? How do you find that balance? You want to make the right call, but you also want to have, you know, as you said, like balls and, and the, the toughness to be able, like, you know what I mean? It's like you, you want to not necessarily be defiant. I, I guess here's the question. How do you balance the emotion? Like, like I said, you want to show that you belong, that you're not scared. On the other hand, you still want to call the game. Like, what what are you talking to yourself? What's the message to yourself? How do you stand up and do your job and do it right without going too far one way or too far the other? Probably be be really focused on what you're doing and do your job well and make the right calls and believe in what you do. Uh, you know, and then you know, not everybody has that part of it. And when I say that it, and it's a factor that, you know, there's the great basketball players have that it can't, you can't teach that it part. You can't teach that judgment part. If you got good judgment as an official, you'll probably, doesn't matter what your mechanics are like or what have you, you'll be, you'll have a chance to be pretty good. If you don't have that good judgment, doesn't matter what your, if you have courage and that stuff, you have bad judgment, you get all your plays wrong. You're not going to, doesn't matter. You whack guys, they're gonna they're gonna fire you because you got bad judgment. But you have to have both. You have to have courage. You have to have good judgment to be a really good referee. And you have to have, you know, I always say you got to have to be. You have to have a little bit of prick in you to be a good referee. Otherwise, you'll get you will get tortured out there.
Sure. No, you have to have, I mean, honestly, to be a, to be a heck of a player, you got to have a little prick in you, right? It, exactly. Absolutely. Look at all the great players of all time. They had that, that, you know, that, oh, okay, you're doing this. I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to shove it right down your throat. Yes. Yes. 100%. Absolutely. So when, when people talk about mechanic, hey, when officials talk about mechanic, some of it's positioning, but what else is it? What goes into the mechanics of officiating a game properly? Oh, it's where you stand. It's it's how you look. It's how you lift your your fist. How confident you look when you you put your fist up, your hand up. How you know just just a lot of it has to do with positioning, um, on how you rotate in your within your position. Uh, there's a there, there's a lot that goes into the mechanics part of it, uh, because you could be one step to the left, one step to the right, or and you're being the wrong spot. Uh, on certain plays. So, you know, we're taught uh, a lot of different positioning uh, things for mechanics though, but it's, you can tell if a guy's comfortable in his, in his body, in his mechanics, um, you know, with, with, you know, he's got the fist up the right way, he's pointing the right direction, you know, that kind of stuff. But you can tell by his confidence, if he's sure or not on his calls, by his mechanics, how he, how he, how he, how he presents to the table, how he walks out to the table and runs out, whatever to the table that's what i'm talking about when you have when a guy's confident has good mechanics when uh it's also you're also part of a team right so you have to work oh yeah work together what what's that dynamic like when you guys get to the gym and you first meet guys and and remember early on you knew of these guys but you didn't know them nearly as well what's it like in trying to figure out okay how am i going to work with this guy well, a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, it depends. Who, whoever the crew chief is, is a big deal on who, you know, how good your game's going to go. If you got a good crew chief, it's a good, good communicator uh, with the, with your other officials, your U1, U2, uh, you have a chance to be, have a good game. If you're, if you're uh, not a good communicator and, and, you know, not well respected by your U1, U2, you can see a game like that that's that could go down the hill uh, really fast. Uh, you you could you know all the best officials are really good communicators and really good teachers and have good pre games in your locker room and that's a big part of it, especially for a young guy. I always tell young guys just listen, listen what the what the crew chief's got to say, uh, and and do what they tell you to do, and you'll probably be okay. Uh, and uh, work as a crew. That's it for part one with John Higgins. Part two, you're going to love, including why get out and what now? And what would you fix about the game? Reminder, the Doug Gottlieb show is three to five Eastern. Uh, we also have, uh, it's available daily in podcast forms. Type in Doug Gottlieb. You can check it out. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.